Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Father God, we thank you. We're humbled to have such a great man of God with us these last three services, a titan of the faith, a grandfather and a father to many of us. We thank you, Lord, that the highest flow that Dad Hagen taught us, that every service has a certain flow that is in the mind of the Father. Lord, we experienced, I believe, the highest flow for each of those three services. Lord, I thank you that that will continue this morning. We thank you for the highest flow that's already happened in this room and that will continue now through your word. We open up our hearts to receive. For we know, Lord, that your word says faith comes by the word and by the revealed word hearing the word and the revealed word of God. So Lord, let faith spring up, let revelation spring up. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So I thank you, Lord, that when revelation comes, faith comes and victory is always the result. Let those things happen this morning in the hearts of the people, the ministers, the congregation member, the members that are here, those that are watching, and we give you all the glory in advance in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated great privilege to minister to you. So many wonderful ministers and friends and co-laborers and our company. Oh, so many ministers are looking for a company and they, and they don't have one and they're looking for one. We found one. Oh, how privileged we are. You know, it feels so Have you ever done a puzzle and you're trying to get that piece in and you're trying to force it because it's going to fit one way or the other because I can't find where it goes. And it just, you know, you have to, and just don't look right. It kind of bends up and it gets all squiggly and weird. But when you find that right piece, it just clicks. This is a company that clicks, praise God. So today I just, uh, I, when pastor gave me the great privilege, I said, Lord, what would you have? You know, there's so many other ministers that are so qualified. What would you say, say through me? And he, he dropped three things in my heart. I'm going to call it the ABCs if I could do that. Nice and simple, but I believe important. And the verse, and pastor said to me, you know, she's taught me over the years. She said, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're preaching, go, unless the Lord tells you something very specific, different, go with what he's talking to you about. Minister what is already in your spirit and what he's been dealing with you about unless he gives you other direction. And so he's been dealing with me about this a lot lately, probably for the last six months or so. And if you turn in Job chapter 22, Job chapter 22 and verse 21, Job chapter 22 and verse 21. And I also want to read it to you after the King James from the Amplified, because the Amplified says it a bit better. Job 22, verse 21. Um, is that the right one, Lord? Job 22, verse 21. Okay. I'm in Job 21. That's why. Okay. Okay. Job 22:21. 21. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Therefore, thereby good shall come unto thee. The Amplified says, acquaint now yourself with him, agree with God and show yourself to be conformed to his will and be at peace. By that you shall prosper and great good shall come unto you. The word that he's just been dealing with me so much about is that word agree. Agree with God. Agree with God. I can, for congregation members, regular lay people, there's things that God may ask you to do 
In fact, I can guarantee you if you're flowing in the spirit, if you're listening to God, I guarantee you that he will ask you to do things that you have no idea how to do, that you feel you can't do, that you're not smart enough, that you don't have the education, you don't have the connections, you don't have, you don't, you don't have the business acumen. There may be businesses, there may be things in sales, there may be things for the business you work for, there may be stuff for your family, there may be stuff for your local church, could be stuff to sow seed, areas to serve. There's areas and ministers, ministers in local churches, uh, there's so many, I think that they just get so, we all do, get comfortable. We're at a certain good place, the bills are paid, everything's good, and you kind of just sit back kind of in the hammock and you're just, this is good, I'll just cruise. You kind of go on cruise control. And yet if you're listening to God, he, he's, always, he's always pressing you and asking you to stretch that elastic band of faith. And, and I remember dad would say, Dr. Dufresne would say, you know, it doesn't always feel good when he's stretching you. Sometimes you just say, give me a breast, Lord. Let me just kind of cruise for a while. But I've noticed, I'd listen to him, Pastor Jay, and I'd say, is that is that true? I mean, does God always put that stretch on you? And I started learning the more I flowed with the Holy Ghost, the more the stretch he put on me. And it's not always comfortable to the flesh, but there's a stretch and there's a, he, because he's got something bigger. If you could figure it all out, then, you know, you wouldn't need him anyway. So the cruise control is I've got it figured out. But when you put the accelerate, the pedal on the, your foot on the accelerator, there, there's, a, there's more power that's being generated to thrust forward and you can't figure it all out. And you don't have all the money for it and it feels uncomfortable. And with us, I just know, I can speak for us, where our ministry, you know, he said to me, he said, with, with, watch, follow closely. He showed me that these dump trucks, I don't know if, if you know what I'm talking about, I'm gonna put Leroy on, but, uh, uh, <laughs> but, but you, know, you know those big dump trucks in Canada, we, we have them like the big Mack trucks, you know, like the construction trucks, and then they have these kind of cars behind them that are attached, they're like square, and there's a big hitch to, between, the long hitch, so that when they make turns, they can navigate those turns. And I was driving once and I heard the Holy Spirit say, that, that, that the front truck, you know, the power truck, the one setting the pace, you know, in, in terms of my life, he said, that's, that's your pastor, Nancy. And he said, now you're, you're behind, but you're connected. But did you notice as she speeds up, as she makes some corrections and turns as things, she navigates the, 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 the waters of ministry. He said, if you'll just stay, just stay connected. Then I talked to a trucker in my church and he said, you know, that hitch is actually called a tongue in, in that industry. It's called a tongue. And he said, now you stay connected with your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. And to just, just be careful what you say and guard your heart and just stay, just, just pray, pray for them, speak over them, love them, be faithful, show up and just stay. And the Lord said, as, as there's increase, you have a right to that increase. It will trickle down to you because it goes from Aaron's head, beard down to the garment. It's a spiritual principle, Psalm 133. And so I, I've been noticing there's been increase coming. And so God's been starting to talk to us. I, I, I put dropping more vision, like little, like little drain drops in our heart. I want you to do this. I said, Lord, I, I don't know how to do that. I didn't ask if you know how to do it. I, I want you to do that. And then, and then, and then now we got, we got like what, five countries that we're opening churches in. And I said, Lord, I, I, how are you? This is ridiculous. I, I'm not qualified. There are other more qualified people. I just enjoy the pastoring thing and, and, and dri driving my motorcycle and going to the shooting range and fishing once in a while. I, I just, I don't, there's other better people out there. 
But I've noticed if you're listening, he's always stretching you because the days are short and because the message is important. We're, we're not maybe that important, but the message is important. And he's just invested something in us. He just took a whole bunch of time to get us finally, not, not to the end, end, you know, but just finally soft enough for him to be able to, connected enough for him to use us. Uh, knowledgeable enough with this message for us to actually be a carrier of it. And, and, he, and he needs that message to go out. And so I'm saying for me, it's been a little bit of a scary ride being connected to Pastor Nancy. Listen, if you, if you don't, if you don't want to be stretched, don't join this company. If you don't, because the Holy Ghost is moving and he's moving in all the ministries differently, uniquely, you know, with each personality, each ministry, each flow, he's blending it. But, but if, but there is an acceleration if you're in this company and you better be ready for that. And so some of it was a little bit scary to me, but he started dealing with me on this verse. And he said, you don't understand it all and neither should you because if you could understand it all, it probably wouldn't be me. You can't afford it all. You don't know how it's all gonna work out, but I just, the first thing I'm looking for, A, out of ABC, is I just want your agreement. It's so simple, but it's amazing if you watch yourself how much we don't agree. The way we talk, even around the dinner table, privately, the way we think, you know, I just can't do that, Lord, or I won't do that, Lord, or I'm not interested in the inconvenience. This could be a lot of different ways that you approach the disagreement. Brother, Brother Copeland was new to go to Tulsa, but he went the other direction. Remember he told us that he disagreed. He didn't put his agreement with God. And look, and look what happened. You see, he, 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 there was a, he didn't have that protection. And you, he told us a story about that accident. You know, I won't get into it, but Dad Hagen has told stories where he didn't always do exactly right in the prophet's office or in this area. And Jesus permitted. He said, you should be grateful I allowed that to happen when he hurt himself. When there's not an agreement in, in certain ways, it, 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 the Lord can allow certain things to get us on track. It's merciful for that judgment to come because he's trying to simply get us to agree. It's so simple, but it's so powerful when you start to say, Father, what you've dropped in my heart, I'm not trying to imitate them. I'm not trying to copy them. I'm not trying to mimic this minister or that minister. Lord, I'm in, this is, you know, I'm connected, but this is the way you're using me. So what is it that you've got me to do? Because it might be different to what you have another minister to do. I don't need to go to a conference to find out the latest fad and trend and then try to imitate that in my church. That never works. I get on my knees and I say, Lord, what is it that you're stretching me in? And it's going to probably feel uncomfortable because the stretch usually does because you can't figure it. And if you're, if you're mental, you know, and, and categorical like I am, some people are very laid back. I'm very like detailed and I got to understand everything. I drive my staff a little bit up the wall. So I'm not, I got to understand if I can't understand it. Like I don't understand these things. If, if you're, if you're trying to understand everything, it's going to, you're going to struggle because you can't figure it all out. But I've learned to start to say, father, I agree. I just, and then I'll laugh because I know it's like, it's like, this is ridiculous. Like it's absolutely impossible, but I just agree. And I've started to say that more often. I agree. And like pastor always says with the greatness of your plan, because the plan is great. I agree with it. You said that great good shall come unto me if I agree and I'll be at peace. Did you notice that when you don't agree, there's a lack of peace. 
When there's an uneasiness, there's a, there's a lack of agreement. Start to say, I agree. Whether you're a business owner, a minister, whether you're at the early stages or you're more advanced, everybody's got a path and everybody's being stretched if you're listening to God. If you're not being stretched, you're not listening to God. It's as simple as that. He's always stretching us and you got to learn to agree. And so if you turn uh, very briefly, please, to the book of Second uh, Kings chapter 6 and verse 24, I just want to emphasize something here that he's been helping me with. Second Kings chapter 6 and verse 24. And it came to pass after this that Benadad king of, of Syria gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it, till a donkey's head was sold for 80 pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as king of Israel, I won't read all that, but he's walking on the wall. People are eating their children. I mean, it's, it's a pretty awful thing that they're doing. They're starving. They're dying. And uh, if you go down, it says uh, <clears throat> in verse 31, then he said, God do so and more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Saphat, shall stand on him this day. I mean, they're blaming the prophet. For their, for their hardship, just like most people do. They blame the preacher or the pastor. And Elisha sat in his house and the elders sat with him and the king sent a man before him. He's really like an assassin, sent a man before him. But ere the mess, before the messenger came to Elisha, Elisha, by, he knows by the word of knowledge what's going to happen. He says to the elders, see how the son of a murderer has sent to take away my head. Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? So he knows somebody's coming to kill me. And then the king's right behind him. And while he yet talked, he's in the middle of the sentence. Behold, the messenger came down unto him. And he said, behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? They're desperate. They're giving up. They're saying well, the evil has come upon us and there's no point. There's no hope. What's the point of even praying? We're undone because they're being besieged. The next chapter seven, verse one, and Elisha said, <laughs> hear ye the word of the Lord. This saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. In other words, you've been paying a hundred dollars for a quarter of a piece of bread, but tomorrow you'll pay 10 cents for a loaf. That's, that's, the, that's the equivalent. Now this is not possible. And the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God. He answered. Remember, we talk about answering things. Yes. Oh, he answered, but you can answer wrong. Yeah. It's not just about answering. It's about answering right. Yeah. He answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? In other words, even if God were to get involved, this couldn't happen. Right. And he said, behold, you'll see it with your eyes, but you'll not eat. The man wouldn't agree. He decided that the mental arena was more important than trusting God. He couldn't figure out how that could be. So he spoke, he answered and he spoke against it and judgment came. You're going to see it, but you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> and now verse three, there were four leprous men at the entering into the gate. And they said to one another, why sit we here till we die? If we say we will enter to the city. The famine is in the city and we'll die there. And if we sit here, we die alone. We also die. Now, therefore, come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. 
They rose up in the twilight to go to the camp, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of the Syria, behold, there was no man. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. And they rose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and horses and donkeys in the camp as it was and fled for their life. And you know, they find silver and they find gold and they find food in abundance and they find weapons and they find everything. This is what the Lord said to me through this story recently. He said, I am offering you the miracle flow. I am offering you the miracle flow. You can't figure it all out, but what I'm calling you to do, I have miracles attached to my instruction. Will you agree with the miracle flow? When your mind fights it, when everything you can't understand it, can you agree with it? Just start by saying, Father, you don't have to feel the, you don't have to feel it. You just start to say, Father, I agree. You've offered it to me. I agree with it. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. If that man had agreed, he would have tasted it, but he didn't agree and he answered wrong. We talk about answering, but you got to answer right. It's amazing how much we don't agree because we agree with what we can figure out or what we deem appropriate or necessary or convenient. But, but I'm noticing in my life, God is, uh, he's stretching and he's not, everything is convenient. Not everything I can understand, not everything is in the bank account, but he, he, he just said, just start with a agree. Now, did you notice, did you notice nobody thought the answer could come through four lepers? The most unlikely possible source on the planet. Four men destined to die. Hopeless, useless, outcast from society. You couldn't touch them or you'd be stoned yourself. They're not allowed to come in according to the law of Moses. These are people that are just, they're the loser of the losers. They're losers squared. They're losers on Red Bull. Nobody even notices them. They're not even, they're not even in the city. If we stay here, we die. If we go in there, we die. If we go to Syria, well, we might die. What's the point? Die. Door number one, dead. Door number two, dead. Door number three, dead. Let's just pick a door. Let's just go. Let's just go. And I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, I've got sources that your mind could never, ever figure out. I got people that you have totally disregarded that you don't know what I can do through those people. I've got people that you have no idea who the most unlikely, the most unlikely, they didn't even, listen, not only are they unlikely, they didn't even know they were being used. People don't always sometimes know God is using them. You see that in the Bible, I'm sure many of you have stories where things have happened and the person doesn't even know God's hand is on them. He's guiding them, but they don't even know that they're part of the answer, but there's somebody anointed to help me and it might be the least unlikely. They might not even know it, but God just needed my agreement. He didn't need, he didn't need my permission. He did, well, he's my permission, but he doesn't, he doesn't need my understanding, my conceptuality of the whole thing. He doesn't need a board meeting, a conference call. He doesn't need flow charts and pie charts and this chart and that chart. He just needs agreement and he'll pick the unlikely one oftentimes so that he'll get the glory and he'll pick people that don't even know God's hand is on them. Sometimes sinners and he'll get the glory. 
praise God. When, when, uh, when those disciples in Acts were, were being persecuted, if you remember, uh, they, were, they were, had beaten them and then, and then the angel let them out and they went out and they were in the temple and they brought them back and they, and they, were, and they beat them. And then, and then they're saying, you know, what should we do with these people? And one of their own men, I don't know, Gamamiel or something, I forget his name, but it's there in Acts, one of their own people in the, in the Pharisaical society, a man of great honor, a learned man, a doctor of the law, who the rest of those people, Caiaphas and everyone, they respected this man. And that man stood up and said, don't touch these men. If it's of God, you're fighting against God. If it's not of God, it's gonna, it's gonna pity you out anyway. God used an unlikely man, part of the group of the enemies, to stand up and defend them. I'm telling you, he's got ways to do it. Your problem is just don't figure out how he's going to just agree. Another thing the Lord said to me about the story is that, did you notice, son, that when, when I used the most unlikely source, angels had a massive role in that miracle. They heard the sound of chariots and horses and armed men. Those were the angels, uh, the armies of angels marching. And God caused those sinners to have their ears open to the realm of spirits to hear the armies of God. When you hear angels coming, I don't care who you are, you run. Unless you know God. God used people that were unlikely. He used people that didn't even know they were being used and angels were involved. I'm telling you, in these end days, we're gonna see more angelic manifestations, more angelic. I'm telling you, dad talked about it. Dr. Dufresne talked about it all the time. I don't know, if, I don't know anybody that had more experience. Maybe there are people out there, but I've never heard of anybody that had more experiences with angels other than Dr. Dufresne. And just listening to him and sitting at his feet and learning. How to, how to operate in that, in that realm, how to speak to those angels, how to release them. There are angels dispatched during this era to help with the stretch, to help with the miracle that we need to fulfill the call of God and all we have to do is agree. It sounds a little bit oversimplistic, I know. Like there's gotta be something else here, but the first step in ABC is just, just agree. You'd be shocked at how much you don't agree when you start agreeing. I was. I didn't realize how much I fought God on things. My heart's right, but I guess maybe insecurity or feeling that I'm not worthy of it or feeling why can't you use somebody else or maybe lack of education and also sometimes laziness, just inconvenience. You know, sometimes when you go to these countries and you're sleeping on, on a piece of wood and you don't have the Hilton and the sleep comfort bed. Sometimes it's just, it's just easier to say no. But God don't seem to care about any of that. He just cares about the plan. The greatness of his plan that he's got through you. It's going to look different to the one beside you because it's unique to you. Whether you're a, a minister, whether a congregation member, there's the greatness of his plan for you. You've got to accept God can use me. He's going to use me. He wants to use me. Now, what is it, Lord? I wait on you when I start to get an inkling and an, an understanding. My job is to agree. You'll use unlikely sources. Half the time, they won't even know they're being used of you and angels will interact, but you'll do it for me. That's what he's been saying to me. Great, just agree. I'm starting to say, Lord, I agree. I agree. I cooperate. You're looking for my cooperation. Praise God. It, it's, it's so important. Amen. Praise God. Remember what Brother Copeland said last night from Jeremiah 1. I put my words in your mouth, you speak it, and I perform it. Amen. 
I'm showing you what I want. You speak it. What is that? Agree with it. Speak it. Speak it in agreement. Let him do the performance. Agreeing doesn't mean you figure out how to do it. Agreeing just means say, yes, Lord, let it all come to pass. Amen. So then he said, this is over all this, basically all of 21. He's been dealing with me a lot about this privately. So this is not just from one. I'm taking like a bunch of sermons I've preached to my congregation and kind of mashed it into just one simple delivery to try to get some important points. Because over the year, he spent a long time, months dealing with me about just agree. And then he's transitioned to another kind of thing that he started dealing with me. And he said, and, and, and the next one is B for birth. If, if you don't have a prayer life, because you're busy, 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 and you got all these things distracting you, and in this world, oh my God, there's so much distraction. There's so much on our plates all the time. If you don't pray things out, you're never gonna see. You can agree, but you're never gonna see it come to pass. And the story he gave me was from the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, if you wouldn't mind turning there. Hope this is okay and it's not, it's, it's, it's making sense. 1 Kings 18, 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, remember Elijah represents the spirit church. Ahab represents the flesh church. Get up. In other words, go do what you're good at. Stuff your face with pie. Have fun. That's what flesh people are good at. Go do what you're good at. Go binge watch your television. Go, go, don't, don't do all your stuff. That's really what he's saying. Get up, eat and drink. You go eat and drink. For there is a sound of the abundance of rain. What's he going to do? The spirit person prays, the flesh person parties. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah, he didn't eat and drink. He went up to the top of Carmel, cast himself upon the earth and put his face between his knees. (laughs) What, What was the first thing? He heard in the realm of spirits by the gift of the discerning of spirits, the sound of a rainstorm. And he knew the spirit of God is communicating to me that rain is on the way. What did he do? He heard from God and he agreed. He didn't say, well, that couldn't happen. We're in a famine. He agreed, a drought. He agreed. He recognized, and this, I'm telling you, God really helped me because all around us there's flesh people if you've noticed. Whether in church or not in church, you know, there's all different ranges of people in your church. Some are brand new Christians. You know, some can barely find the door. You know what I'm saying? Some are, some are veterans. Some have been around a long time. They're spiritual people, but some are not. And if you're ever going to grow your church, you're always going to have a wide range of spirituality in your church because there's always new people coming that don't know this flow. So you got to be real patient and kind with them because they don't know everything. But I've noticed that, did you notice, the Lord said to me, did you notice he was not concerned about the fleshly ones? He didn't let the fact that people were in the flesh rob him from his prayer life. He didn't let the fact that people were distracted rob him from his assignment. He heard and he knew that God said this is about to happen. And what did he do? He said, you go do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. And he went up and he put his head between his knees and he, which is a really, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's symbolic that he is praying out and birthing out the plan of God. And then he says now, if you look in verse 43, and he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. He said, go again seven times. He did not do the looking. He had somebody do looking for him. 
Oh, how many people? They're so distracted. Yeah. Trying to figure this thing out, trying to do that thing. And you're trying to do, and you're checking, you're checking. Lord, you're consulting with the natural. But, but if you really, you, you got to find somebody in your life, especially pastors. That's why you have staff. That's, they need to do the looking for you. They need to be dealing with the natural things that distract you. Your job, I Pastor Nancy said it a little while ago, I was with her in, uh, in Merced recently in December, and she said a statement, and I put, you know, asterisk, 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 and I put capital letters and then exclamation marks and then asterisks again and underlined because it hit me like a, like a truck had hit me. And she just said a simple statement. She said, put your head between your knees and pray it out. And don't look around. Just pray. Your job is to pray. What did Acts 6 say? We'll give ourselves continually to the word and prayer. And I just, that just, it's such a simple statement, Pastor Cody, but it hit me so hard. I'm trying to do everybody else's job. I'm trying to look, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to organize. I'm not saying that there's not organization. You have to, there's a, there's a natural side you have to do, but, but the core of it is I've got to learn to put my head between my knees. I've got to develop my prayer life. I've got to be a spiritual man and give myself not to the administration, but to the word and prayer. Let somebody else look for me. Let the fleshly people have their party. I know what God said. I heard it in the spirit. I've agreed with him and I'm going to now birth it out. If we don't pray like we've never prayed before, not religiously or legalistically, but by an anointing to pray, by an anointing to pray, because she said it's time for miracles. I listen, I pay attention. I've been saying it's time for miracles. I did a teaching for eight weeks on my Bible school of just the power gifts because I wanted to focus on miracles. I wanted to, I just wanted to get into that rhythm and that momentum because that's what the prophet of God said. And, and on one of the, on the sixth out of eight classes, the Lord spoke to me and he said, play this clip for Dad Hagen. It was 10 minute clip. And Dad Hagen was talking in that short clip we played to our, our Bible school. And he was, he was teaching. It was a memory many years ago, but he was teaching and he was simply saying, he looked at Acts four and he said, now you see how they prayed? And then he said, now go to Acts five. And he went through the whole chapter of Acts five, showing miracle, supernatural gifts of the spirit, signs and wonders, breakthroughs, salvations, healings. And he said, they wouldn't have it Acts 5 if they didn't have Acts 4. Yeah. Acts 4 birthed Acts 5. And he said, you've got to have an anointing. You can't have miracles till you pray. You, and then the Lord started dealing with me in that Bible school. He said, the time of miracles is here, quote unquote, but it's also the man the fullness of it is coming, but there's got to be a praying out. He said, first, you need the revelation that you need to pray it out from Acts 4 to Acts 5. And secondly, listen, this is, this is not new to me, but it was... It had impact on me. He said, there's an anointing to pray. Anybody can pray, but there's an anointing to pray for miracles. And he started dealing with me. And on on one of those nights, it was in September, the anointing came on me. In in 30 years, I've been preaching behind a pulpit. I've never felt the anointing like that before. I've never felt it since. But the anointing to pray for miracles came on me. It was supernatural. It was divine. It was not of me. I prayed for years. It was, it was something from heaven. It was like a holy light came over me. And I began to pray out and birth for the supernatural in my church. And the Lord, and after that, the next week, I tried to do it again. And it wasn't really there. And I said, Lord, did I do something wrong? He said, no, that is set. And I'm just saying for my church. I'm not saying for everybody. He said, that is set for 2022. There are set times in the spirit. I gave you an hors d'oeuvre to let you know what's coming. Yeah. 
He said, because you've got to have an anointing to pray for these miracles. It's not just a prayer meeting. There's something from heaven. That's how God gets all the credit because even to pray it out comes from him. Everything comes from him. Nobody can take credit for it. And he said, that, that anointing came on you because that's a sign, at least for your church. He said, in 22, you're going to see that anointing that came that day. I gave it a taste, a foretaste of what's coming. Because if you don't get in your, put your head between your knees and begin to birth out for these miracles, I can't do it. John Wesley, it seems that God is limited that he cannot do anything on the earth except men pray. We have board meetings and we have discussions and conferences and a whole lot of preaching, which all has its place. But where is the prayer life? Not just prayer meetings, but anointing, anointed prayer meetings. Woo, we need God's help. So he started dealing with it. You got to first agree and then you got to start to pray it out. You got to start to pray it out. And don't worry about the ones that are fleshly. Hear what I'm saying in the spirit. Put your head between your knees. Stop being distracted. Get somebody else to do your looking. And you just focus on giving yourself to the word and prayer. And birth that thing out, son. Birth that thing out so I can make, I can cause it to come to pass. Woo. For sake of time, I won't read the rest, but you know the rest of the story. They see the little cloud. And this is an important thing. He didn't treat what was seemingly insignificant as though it was common as though it was nothing. He didn't take that little cloud. Oh, it's nothing. He took something small and he said, this is precious. And sometimes we see God start to do things and we see just a little bit that's beginning. And then because we don't see the whole thing, we start to speak negatively and talk against it. I remember Dad Hagen talked once when that lady at that church that he was visiting and, and she was, she was dying and they prayed as a church and God started a work. The pastor got up the next service and said, well, God touched her. Let's pray again. And the Lord spoke to him and told him the time exactly when she would die. I don't know if you remember that story. And he said, now he said, they showed dishonor to me by, by reducing it to a touch. What they should have said is praise God. The power is working. Look what God has done. He has started it in this woman and he will finish what he has started and let's praise him and glorify him that that woman will get up and say, they just said, well, I guess he touched her, but let's, let's pray now for the real thing. And she died the very, the very hour that God told dad Hagen, she died. I think it was the next day or two days later, whatever it was. God does not want us to take the small cloud, the size of a man's hand and treat it like a common cheap thing that we throw in the gutter because it's not this glorious big thing that our mind thought we should have. Because he'll start with the little and when we treat it right and when we take a step of faith on that little cloud, he saw the cloud and he said, run flesh boy. Flesh bucket Ahab, you better run, son, because that rain's going to overtake you. And because he acted with the small, the little, he counted it as precious. And he said, God's, God's at work here. You get one person come to your church that gets born again. Don't just say, oh, well, what happened to the 10? Thank God we've got the one and start praising him for the one and start, Lord, congregation, look what God's done and make much of the little cloud. Before you've even finished your sentence, five more people will be standing at the back of your church waiting to come in. Six more miracles will be about to pop. God needs us to count things that he's doing as important and as precious and as not common things. 
It, it offends the Holy Ghost when you take precious things and you treat them like they're garbage because your mind can't see the bigness of it. But that man said, God's moving. Look at that little tiny car. Look, look at what God's doing. In fact, I went up to Mount Carmel when we took our last trip there. And I, and I was taking a picture of one of my, my board members said, take a picture of me. You know, that's where he called fire down and everything. And, and, and the picture was hilarious because I didn't notice it when I took it. But when I looked at my phone, there was this, the tiniest little cloud. It looked like a little tiny dot just to the, so I cut his head out. I photoshopped him out. <laughs> and I have that picture. And every now and then, because that happened right at Carmel, right where he saw the cloud, there was this tiny little cloud over yonder. And every now and then I look at that and I say, that's what it must have looked like. Blue sky, but a tiny little white cloud. And before he's even got to the bottom of the mountain, those black, the blackness of clouds, wind and rain. Are you listening? And then what does he do? He girds up his loins. What does that mean? You know, they wore long things. You can't run when you got long things. He did. He did Hebrews 12, 1 setting aside the things that so easily beset us. Not all of it's sin, but a lot of it is weights. Not all of it's wrong, but a lot of it is not spiritual. And he, he, he girded that up. That was, he pulled up that dress thingy that they would wear. He girded it up so that his legs were free to run. And when you've heard God and you've birthed things and you've ignored the flesh and you've acted in faith with little things, you better make sure nothing's holding you back. You better make sure that no distractions are there and you guard up yourself because an anointing is coming to accelerate you past the fastest stallion in the land. The king had the greatest horse. He's not on some nasty donkey. He's got the greatest stallion in the land. And if you've seen those old Superman movies that have really bad graphics, you see Superman running and he goes past the train. And it's like really, really bad graphics. You know what I'm saying? But there was an actual Superman under the hand of God called Elijah who ran faster than an Arabian stallion. And I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, if you will pray it out and ignore the flesh, keep your eyes on me, son. Don't look at the people that are naysayers and they fall by the wayside and the ones that come to your church and get offended and leave. Keep your eyes on me. Birth it out. Birth it out. Treat what I start as precious. Get the distractions away from you. Gird up your loins because an anointing is coming. I'm telling you, I heard him say it this last year. An anointing is coming if you'll do these steps and you will run past the flesh church. He overtook the flesh church. Ahab is the flesh church. I'm not looking for numbers, but I do expect that God's going to show up because a lot of people, got, they just all oh, a bunch of flesh pots and they, got, and they got all the crowds and all the money and the church that's bringing the message, has to, there has to be a move. Not that I need the numbers, but, but God, God is always increasing. And he said, You're, you'll go past the flesh church. That anointing will slingshot you past it. That anointing's coming. But I'm telling you, you got to agree. You don't even get to the birthing part if you don't even agree. If he heard the sound of the abundance of the rain, he goes, yeah, whatever. Okay. Nothing else would have happened. I got to agree. And I got to have a prayer life. I got to have a prayer life. A recent Barna statistic in the U.S. was about, I think it was three years ago. They, they surveyed about 10,000 pastors and asked, confidentially, you didn't have to give their names, how much they prayed in a seven-day period. 
the average was one and a half to two minutes. 1.5 to two minutes in a seven day period. And these were senior pastors of local churches. That was four years ago. I don't know what it is now, but with their Corona and everything, maybe they're praying a bit more. I don't know. Or maybe they're praying a bit less. Because I heard one church, one guy was lying to his congregation in Kentucky. He went to Florida, made the hotel room look like his living room and was on the beach for six months uh, and, and telling everybody that he was at home, you know, praying for the congregation during COVID until finally somebody noticed something off and they caught him that he was having a beach party because he shut his church down because he's too lazy to preach. Because he uses Corona as an excuse. <laughs> well, that church closed and, and there's a lot of crazy stuff. It's a flu. <laughs> I love Brother Copeland. He just, he just says it's so simple. Get over it. Just get over it. We, we don't let those nonsense things hinder. I'm not saying we don't obey the government. I'm just saying we don't. There is a vision. It is surging forward and we have to agree and we have to birth. We have to have prayer lives. The one that should pray the most is the pastor, not the older lady on the, in the intercessory team. The one that should be blazing the trail in spiritual things is the pastor. And usually they're the last ones because they give it all over to the older folks. You know, the prayer group, you know, the grannies that pray. Anyway, thank God for the grannies, but anyway. Now I've only been going 30, 36 minutes, but some of you look like I've been going for three hours. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's just... <laughs> Leroy is present and he is on guard as a sentinel. Praise God. Do you remember what Brother Copeland said that R. Roberts told him, find out the will of God? Don't confer with flesh and blood. In other words, don't talk to flesh people about it. Don't talk to Ahab. And do whatever it takes to fulfill it. Even if that means missing a few meals, missing a few sleeps, putting your head between your knees, seeking God like you've never sought God before. And when he starts doing something, act like it's the biggest thing in the world. Because that's really hard when you don't really see everything happening, you know, the way you want it to happen. And, you know, now we're doing international. We've started partnership and you don't know, I don't haven't seen, but, but the Lord said, you're, you're handling that wrong, son. I've given you a little cloud and you're treating it like trash. Take the 10 partners you've got and praise God, praise me for them, pray for them, love on them, treat them right. And I'll give you 10 more because you got to be faithful in little or I can't make you rule over much. So, and I started doing that and I started seeing it grow because the little cloud is going to turn into a big cloud, but it won't if I don't treat it right. Don't treat what's precious as common. I don't know why I keep hearing that in my spirit, but some, uh, some ministers don't treat what God's doing in your church and complain about it. It's a precious thing to God. He said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. We've got, it's a small cloud, but it's going to turn big. Amen. That anointing's coming. It's going to catapult us past. It's going to catapult us past. Glory to God. So there's, an, there's, a, there's a, an agreeing and then there's a praying or a birthing. And the last letter is C, A, B, C, connect. I don't normally do nice and cute sermons like this. Like I never do things like, like that, like A, B, C. Like I just, I just, this is not me. I just, I don't have time for that stuff. But because I took all these sermons and I put it in one pot, 
it actually kind of worked. So enjoy the cuteness of it today because I don't normally do that. A, B, C, like it all rhymes, it works, it's perfect, it's wonderful. That's not usually me, but that's just how it came out today. <laughs> Thank you. Pastor Jay said it's cute and, and I want to be cute too. Now, uh, I saw, now there's, I saw Pastor Nancy when I was praying, I saw a coin, a little mini vision, because he had been dealing with me agree, and then I saw a coin, looked like an old coin, a thick coin, and, and, and he said, now there's two sides, just talking to me, I'm not saying that this is a, this, you know, with things of the spirit, there's many other things at play, but he was just emphasizing two things to me. That doesn't mean it's the only two things, but I believe it's important. I saw two, and he said, there's two sides to this coin, son. He said, the one side is more what you do in private, and the other side is more what you do in public. And he said, the one side, which is what I've talked about, is your prayer life, and the other side is your divine associations with those I've connected you to. You can't have that, you can't treat the divine connection right when you're never around. You can't treat your man of God right in your prayer closet. Now you can treat, you can pray for them, but you gotta show up. There's some natural things, there's some practical things, there's some honor actions. That lady with Elijah didn't just say, I pray, I'm praying for you, brother. She got the carpenter, she got Stephen, she hired Stephen, she made a little room there. Stephen can do anything, it seems, when it comes to his hands and building, I'm jealous. And she, 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 the honor had action to it. The honor had substance to it. It wasn't just words, although there is prayer and there is words, but they, she did something. She did something for her man of God to show him practically that she meant it. Praise God. Disciples didn't just pray all the time. They had to actually go with Jesus. They had to be around Jesus. I know I talk a lot about this to my church, but, but I, this is a very important thing to, I believe this is a critically, and a lot of ministers especially fail on this. There, there's a lone ranger, lone wolf mentality, leave me alone, I know what I'm doing. And they don't understand that it's not weakness to submit. It's, it's, not, it's not you're less to submit. If actually it makes you more spiritual to submit. And if you study, theologians tell us Elisha was with Elijah from the time he was plowing with the oxen and he threw his coat on him. It was, they say six to seven years he served that man before the plain of Jordan when he went up in the whirlwind. But if you, if you remember the story where they were talking, remember Elisha uh, had this, these words of knowledge and he's telling the king, the, the enemies are going to be here and here and here. And they thought there was a spy, do you remember? And they said, no, 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 Elisha. Elisha hears what you say in your bedchamber. And he said, who this Elijah? And he says, he's the one that poured water on the hands of Elijah. He was cleaning his toilet. I don't mean to be vulgar. He was setting up the campfire because they didn't have electricity. He was, he was organizing the administration of his ministry. He was preparing, he was clearing the road. He was not doing necessarily the most spiritual things. He already knows he's got the mantle, the anointing is coming, the coat went on him, but there was a season of humility and servanthood and, and you're not always gonna be the preacher and you're not gonna be calling down the fire. No, you sit there, shut up and watch me call down the fire. 
No, I'm serious. Elisha had a season of pride swallowing, gut wrenching, menial duties, and yet he embraced it. And he didn't think he was better than it. And he said, yes, Lord, I get to serve someone. I'm telling you, there is a, there is somebody. Paul said, you have many, few, many teachers, few fathers, plural. So there could be more than one person, but there's not a whole crowd of them. But there is usually one or maybe two or whatever of people that God will not just have you learn a thing or two from, but have you connect to. This is your Elijah. Your longevity is connected to how you treat them. And I know pastor may not maybe want me to say this and I would never do anything she doesn't want me to say because she's so sweet. But, but I just got the one way that you honor the person that God has connected you to is show up. This live stream is a curse. It's a blessing and a curse. Because now we got them in their pajamas, sitting on their couch, popping their popcorn, watching Pastor Nancy, when they should have a suit on and be in the seat and say, I, I've come with the supply. I have enough honor for my man of God, my woman of God to show up, to show up. It's astonishing. And I know Pastor Cody, maybe you did. Well, you're more spiritual than me, so you probably didn't. But, but in my church, I, I got these pajama people, I call them. They just, they just got comfortable in the pajamas when they shut everything down. They're couch Christians, popcorn believers. It's not right. And, and listen, if you shut down and you have to shut down and thank God for live stream. But some of them, they got comfortable with that routine and they made the excuse. Now I don't have to be close. I don't have to serve in the ministry. I don't have, I'll just, I'll just go on the donate button. Now, thank God for a donate button, but you should be bringing your tithes and offerings in person. I don't mean to be ornery, but this really bothers me. And, 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 and I, 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 I have a right to speak because I'm Canadian. And I have a different country and, and a real demonized, I don't mean to be mean, but a demonized government that's paralyzed with fear. Your government is heaven on earth compared to ours. I mean, paralyzed in fear. I mean, our airports are ghost towns. And I walk in because you got to stick the thing up your nose. I've done it like 7,000 times. I told this pharmacist, I'll do it. Just hire me. I can do it. So the guy comes and he sticks it up and Jenny and this to this trip. Now Biden said you have to do 24 hours. So we had to rush. You have to do it within 24 hours of flying. It used to be 72. Now it's 24. Thank you, President Biden. And, uh, and not that it even helps, but anyway, that's another story altogether. It's a moneymaker because it's 40 bucks a pop. Anyway, don't get me started. So he shoves, he shoves the blowfly up my nose and does what he's doing. I wait 15 minutes, he comes back and he says, sir, you need to self-isolate immediately. You have COVID. You are positive, your wife's not. And he backed away from me like this. He has two masks and a shield in front of him and he's backing and there's a shield. You know those in the, in the pharmacist, they have these plexiglass shields. So there's the shield, then there's another shield, then there's two masks and he's backing away from me. I took that thing, I crumpled it up, I threw it down on the ground. I said, Lord, what the heck is going on here? I, I, I'm not missing that. I'm not missing that conference. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not missing it. And I know because there's a very, in Niagara, 
falls. There's a very narrow part of the Niagara River after you go down the falls. It's a very narrow part. It's maybe from here to that door and it's shallow. I've been, I stood on the bank once and I looked and there's an American over there and there's a Canadian over here and there's no armed towers or guards. And I thought I could swim this easy, easy, easy. I could swim this. I could, I could swim it. And I said, Lord, I said, I'm going one way or the other. I said, I will swim that river and ask Pastor Michael Lekedic to send a staff member to pick me up. And I'm not missing it. I'm not. It's, see, I understand there's a revelation about you got to be present. You got to be present. Dr. Dufresne, pastor told me, mortgaged his house or sold his house back in the day so that he could get to where God, you see, we've lost, see, there was such a, there was such a drive and now it's just a bunch of wussies. We just, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't want to wear a mask on the plane, so maybe I'll just watch live stream. See, we've, we've lost what the older generation, there was a passion about being in the right place. Now, I hope no Canadian government people are watching, but anyway. <laughs> but, so I, I had to make another appointment and, and, and you know, and I go and I shouldn't say it. Maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'll say it anyway because they can't do anything because I'm here. But I'm telling you, whether you believe it or not, I heard the Holy Ghost. I heard the Holy Ghost. I know you think I'm crazy, but I heard the Holy Ghost. I'm waiting for the second appointment. This is the day we fly out. We're flying out in four hours. If I don't get a negative result, I miss the flight. I have to then swim the canal. I mean, I, I, something's about to happen. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, stick some Listerine up your nose. Stick Listerine up my nose. And the guy was in the bathroom. I went and I got a Listerine bottle, I got a Q-tip and I started doing this. And as soon as I literally, I just had pulled it out and he walked in the door, my nose is still wet. And I put it in my pocket and he said, you okay? I said, yes, sir, I'm okay. He said, put your head back. I put my head back. He goes, da, 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 da. and in 10 minutes he says, you're negative, get out of here. I said, Lord, I'm gonna get there whether I have to swim or whether you do the Listerine. Now, I'm not telling you to do the Listerine. I don't know. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it or not, but all I know is that I'm here. Because when you're in state to state, it's pretty easy. But when you come from another country, it's pretty hard. And if there's, there's always reasons why you can't come. There's always reasons why it's inconvenient, why it's too expensive. There's always reasons. I'm not trying to promote, I'm not trying to say I'm a, a good person. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is I have a revelation of that I have to be somewhere. Because Romans 1 says, I long to see you. It didn't say I long for you to see me. It don't really matter as much. It matters that you see the minister, but the minister has to see you because when the minister sees you, those anointings and those giftings and those gifts of the spirit start to operate. And then, and then words come out and, and, and things are spoken when you're there. It's really important. Pastor Nancy taught me this. Dr. Dufresne taught me this. There's things when you're around your man of God, there's graces. 
When you're around the person with a grace for your life, he'll talk to you differently. He'll talk to you more. Answers will come. Clarity will come. Well, Lord, why can't you talk to me there? Because that's the way God does it. Don't just agree with him. Lord, you want me there? I, I, whatever the cost, doesn't matter how hard, swimming, Listerine, I don't care. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. Even when Jenny gave birth to our youngest, it, it was on the Monday the camp meeting started. And I said, honey, are you feeling better? <laughs> She's gone through this three times before. She said, bro. She said, stay with me one night. I said, okay. So I took care of the baby, stuffed the bottle, you know the whole thing. No sleep. And they said to the next day too, so I said, can I go? She said, get out. And I went from the hospital to the airport and flew here for camp meeting. And I was upset that I was a day late. How dare I be a day late for my woman of God. But I guess a baby coming into the world maybe justifies being one day late. But here we got people that they have a thousand excuses. There's every reason in the world. Well, I have a sniffle. Okay. That's fine. You, you'll, you'll, have, you'll, you'll, you'll have what you want. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I know it can sound ornery. I'm not trying to be ornery. It's just that we've lost this sense of intensity about connecting with who God's asked us to connect to. Hallelujah. I only got nine minutes, so let me just quickly say this. The scripture he gave me for this was in Luke chapter 138, and if you would just quickly turn there with me and then I'll be done. Luke chapter 138. I don't want to hurt anybody. That's never my heart to hurt people, but some people, they need to have a, a wake-up call. I know, I, you got to be connected by that tongue, that hitch. You got to show honor. You got to show honor. You got to try, you got to make an effort. You got to spend money, 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 and more money. It shouldn't matter how much it costs. <laughs> pastor said something that, that rocked my boat. She said, uh, it's not your job to save money. It's your job to pay what you need to do to get into the plan. She says, nothing makes you tight like missing what you're called to be. Do you understand? We went to this fancy thing for our 20 anniversary and I went to, to the nicest hotel in Toronto and I'm down there having breakfast. The breakfast was included because the breakfast is probably like $200. It's just like a ridiculous amount. It just, they rip you off. But anyway, so I'm, I'm having, it's included in the deal. So I'm having the breakfast. It's two measly eggs. Did you, do you, does it look like I eat two eggs? All right, so I said to the lady, give me three. She goes, sir, there'll be an upcharge. I said, I don't care. I want three eggs. So they bring the meal and and then, you know, and then she says, oh, it went a little bit over your, 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 your deal. I said, I said, I'll pay the credit card, bring it to me. So I'm looking at the thing. It was like, you know, they charge this, they charge that. That's fine. Right. But I look at that. I'm just looking down at the, the, the bill and it says one egg hyphen $8. I can buy the whole thing of eggs for $8. I felt my blood pressure go up. I, I wanted to call her over and say, what kind of joke are you, you scamming the public here? And I heard God speak to me. I'm telling you, just, I'm sitting there as loud as I'm talking to you. I heard him speak to me. <laughs> he said, peasants, look at what something's worth. That's what I heard him say. Peasants, look at what something's worth. He said, kings, look at the enjoyment. And I told up and I wrote that down. 
And I thought, Lord, he's not looking, he wants us to be good stewards. I'm not saying he doesn't, but but a peasant is always thinking about, is it worth it? I don't know, I shouldn't maybe go to camp meeting because the hotel went up $10 a night. Peasants look at the worth, kings look at the joy. King, he gives us richly all things to enjoy. That was the best $8 I ever spent. Praise God. We can't look at the worth. And if, you, and if you look at the worth, this is worth more than anything, these meetings. But if you, I'm talking about financial stuff. You can't let things pull you back. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm almost done. Luke chapter one. I just want you to see something that our dear brother, Zechariah, remember Zechariah? Uh, Zechariah had a problem because he didn't agree. Luke chapter one, verse 18. And Zechariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. If you read the Passion Translation, this is exactly what it says there. It says in the Passion, how do you expect me to believe this angel? You're going to have a baby. Your wife's older. It's going to be a miracle. How do you expect me to believe that? That can't happen. See, he didn't agree. And he went mute. Because his words would have undone the plan of God. And John's was too important. The plan was too important. It couldn't be aborted. But now we look at our little sister who the theologians say was 14, 13, 14 years old. God entrusted the greatest miracle of human history to a 14-year-old. Why? Because he knew that she would handle it right. He knew she'd agree and he knew she'd prepare. Have a look, please, at verse 38 for sake of time. And we go down and he says, and Mary said, the angel says, the power of God's going to overshadow you. All those verses, you know it. And verse 38 says, and Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Praise God. I agree. I have no idea how this is going to happen. No other woman has or will ever go through this again. But I agree. Oh, I love it. I agree. I agree. It's impossible, but I agree. Because remember the angel said, for what man says is impossible, God says all things are possible. Right? But I noticed something and then, uh, you know, God didn't just pick her because she was going to agree. He picked her because she was going to prepare. And I want you to look there, please. If if you look down after she says that and look at verse 39, and Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country. What does it say? With haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And then, you know, the rest of it, I won't read it for a second time, but Elizabeth says, as soon as I heard your voice, the baby jumped and she went with haste. I saw something Now somebody told me, which I'd missed the service, but apparently pastor touched on this in Georgetown, but, but I hadn't heard that sermon, but God started dealing with me separately and privately. And he said, I, tr- I trusted Mary because I knew she would have the right connection. She wouldn't just agree, but she would connect. Elizabeth was a very important season. She was with her three months, an important season for Mary. And and, and just, I wrote down some very short, very quick notes. Why? She had somebody older than her spiritually. Elizabeth was a minister's wife. She was older in years. It's good to be around people that are older than us spiritually. She was like, she's her cousin, but she's like her mama in some ways. Somebody that is in the ministry. You can't just be connected to the people that are in business. You've got to be connected to, Zechariah was a priest. These are ministry people. Number three, did you notice that Elizabeth's going in the same direction as Mary? 
Elizabeth's in the miracle flow. Elizabeth's having a baby that's supernatural. Mary's it needs that same thing going to happen to her. She got around somebody that was in the same flow. She got around somebody that was believing for a miracle. She got around somebody that was moving in the supernatural. She got around somebody in her, in her, in her rhythm, in her, that momentum. She got around it. Now I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. The fact that the angel showed up and she went that probably the same day or the next morning in haste probably meant the Holy Ghost overshadowed her and impregnated her while she was with her Elizabeth. God will put things in you when you're with your man of God. God put something in her, Jesus, when she was around her divine connection. Do you see that? She was with her number four, somebody that was more skillful because Mary, Elizabeth had gone through some of this. She's six months pregnant already. She can talk to her practically, naturally about some things. And probably the most important verse is verse 45. And I'll read it to you. And it says, this is Elizabeth speaking. And she's, she's praising and praising God and blessing Mary. And she says, and blessed is she, Mary, that believed. See, Zacharias didn't believe. For, now watch now. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her of the Lord. Listen to me. God will put you around a divine supply who will reinforce and tell you what God told you, it's going to come to pass. We've got to be around people that say there'll be a performance. When you're around your divine supply, they reinforce your faith. They say, good for you that you believed. There's going to be a performance of what God said to you. Your ministry is going to go forth in the earth. God put her around somebody more spiritually mature in the ministry, in the same miracle flow that, that, that had a, remember her, her spirit jumped, her baby jumped. So when you're around your divine supply, something moves inside you. Something moves inside you. There's a knowing I'm in my company. Elizabeth had a knowing. Mary had a knowing. There was a movement inside. There was words of faith spoken and encouragement. It will surely come to pass, Mary. And then God put in Mary around Elizabeth what he wanted. God will put things in us. God puts things in me when I'm around her. He impregnates me with the plan, with clarity, with answers when I'm around her. I wish ministers could understand it. I know the people here, you obviously do, but there's so many in other denominations mainly, and maybe even in our company, that just have fallen into this rut of, of convenience. Well, as long as I watch, you know, it's not as long as you watch, it's as long as she sees you. I long to see that I may impart gifts to the end that you may be established. You want to be established? You want gifts imparted? You got you to let her eyes fall on you. Praise God. You got to agree, you got to pray and birth, and you got to connect. If you do these things, the plan of God will come to pass. And in conclusion, she also was around somebody that she could serve. She was there until that baby was born. So she was doing menial jobs like Elisha was doing. She was helping Mary. She wasn't putting her feet up and say, cook me pizza. She was serving the woman of God. She was helping the woman of God. Then when that baby came, she was helping her. And when that, listen, God, got to be faithful in another man's so you can have your own. She was faithful in Elizabeth's miracle so God could give her her own. She served in the little miscellaneous stuff, cleaning the floor, making dinner. Put your feet up, Elizabeth. I'll take care of you. Put your feet up, Elijah. I'll take care of you, Elisha says. She's serving to be faithful in another man's so that God can bless her with her own. God didn't just pick Mary because she was in the right lineage. He picked her because she was a woman that would agree and she was a woman that would prepare. We must prepare. 
our job with our pastor, whoever that is in your life, most of us is Pastor Nancy, but whoever that is, our job is to understand, number one, I need a higher anointing than my own to fulfill my call. I can't do it on my own. Number two, my job is to understand that it's my job to stay close with her, not her job to baby me. Well, they didn't, you know, pastor go to ever have people in church. Well, you know, the pastor didn't call me. <sighs> it's not the pastor's job to baby you. It's your job to show up. It's your job to stay connected. It's not Pastor Nancy's job to rub everybody's fur the right way. And by the way, if your fur is being rubbed wrong, turn around. Don't expect her to change direction on her, on her stroke. It ain't working for you. Turn your little cat body around until it, not, until it gets nice and smooth. Renew your mind, adjust your attitude until, until you truly say, amen, preacher, amen, pastor. My job is to know I need a higher anointing. I have to protect that relationship and I need the impartation from that office. I need it to fulfill my call. Mary needed it to fulfill her call. Elisha needed it. Timothy needed it. All the way through the Bible, you'll see this. And yet today with our highfalutin fancy way of doing things, everybody thinks you can bypass ancient traditions and ancient laws of the scriptures and expect the same thing to work and it doesn't. Father, I thank you in Jesus name. I thank you, Lord, that we agree with the plan. That we pray and we seek you and we birth the plan and we ignore what the flesh ones are doing. And we connect and submit and at all costs, we will be where, we're, where our divine supply and association is. For that impartation will cause us to run and fulfill that plan. ABC, so easy, so simple. I hear the spirit. For even some of my own ministers have limited me. Tell them to lift their eyes, son. Strengthen their stakes, lengthen their cords, expand their vision. For I come in this new year. This era holds greatness. The future holds higher anointings and the miraculous that you've never seen. Agree with the plan, oh, how I would have them agree and not try to understand, but agree. Some of you pastors, there's, you've hit a certain stride, but there's a higher stretch. There's more that he's asking you to do for the kingdom. Don't run away from that stretch. Embrace the stretch of faith. Agree with it. Oh, we thank you, Father. I heard those words bubble up out of my spirit, so I have to say them, otherwise I'll displease the Lord. Oh, for the ministers to agree with my plan, the greatness of my plan. Father, we are humbled to be connected to such a company. Thank you for the privilege of being a puzzle piece that fits. Thank you for planting us in this vineyard. Thank you that we agree with what you're asking. We will, in this year, we will spend the time with our head between our knees and we will stay connected. That vital supply of the spirit at all costs 
we will stay with the divine association. And I thank you, we will fulfill our calls. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor, for the privilege. Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.